0: Everyone. Good morning. We have a a few more stragglers coming in, so we'll uh, let let them get in. Um, While people are getting settled, I'll share about my friend Todd Dallanegra. Missionary guy, I posted about Virgin prayer request. Um, so for those of you that may not have seen it, um, one of the guys that goes out with me in old parole is a uh, former missionary to France, Switzerland, and Africa, and obviously he's a he's a French speaker. Uh, not that there's anybody uh, French speakers in the neighborhood that we're aware of, but. Um, very missional. Um, he helps uh, organize and train up uh, foreign missionaries for I don't remember what agency um, but he's uh, tries to stay very active in doing missional work. So he, he's part of the, the, the Roving Pastors Prayer Group and uh, he also like I said comes out with me and works in the neighborhood there but he, uh, he was having, uh, just feeling really fatigued, thought he had a really bad like getting up air, like lung problem they were putting on stuff for infections and we uh, um, had a, a I'll call it routine you know, blood test just like okay let's follow up let's do a blood test in here and it was so his hemoglobin was so low that LabCorp didn't uh, you know do its normal thing and send it in they called the doctor's office the doctor's office called him and said hey you need to go to the hospital blood transfusion, hemoglobin is 3.9. Uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar with that uh, number, they uh, they consider anything normal 13 and above, like 13 to 18, so if you think about it, those terms, 3.8 is, is pretty drastic, or 3.9 is pretty drastic, and he was in the hospital a number of days getting transfusions, and you know, there's three possible or, or normal things here. One is the we don't know answer. There's the What Carlos own um, has had and there's a, it's like an autoimmune uh, challenge that is set off actually by antibiotics, which is why I shared with him, hey, here's this disease. You were on antibiotics trying to clear stuff up. Maybe you're susceptible to this. And I said, oh, we don't think it's that. What we're going to do here since you're in the hospital so many days will do a bone marrow biopsy because it could be your bone marrow is not functioning properly and when they went in to do the bone marrow um, uh, biopsy they couldn't extract there wasn't any bone marrow in his hip to, to extract um, and of course in in good hospital fashion and I say this with a level of grace because I know people work in hospitals and um, they're like okay, well, we couldn't do that. You need to set up a follow-up with, uh, with an oncologist uh, sometime in the next few weeks. <laughs> um, and, of course, he has some medical friends. I have I an have uh, orthopedic surgeon that I'm good friends with, um, and I know it's not oncology, but he's a bone doctor, so he understands some of these things. So I called him and talked with him, and he said, well, it could have been uh, um, that it didn't penetrate well clogged or something Um, so definitely get a follow up uh, test Uh, but it also is indicated probably something very very serious they were finally able to get his hemoglobin up to uh, uh, 8.3 so they did discharge him yesterday um, and sent him home and um, he does uh, missional work actually in Cape Sinclair in the neighborhood there um about 30 or so folks that regularly get together, most of whom are not Christians, and they call it the Happy Hour Group. Um, he goes there and his wife, and they share the gospel, so he he went, when I ca- talked to him last night, he was actually sitting on the beach, it was about, I don't know, 536, he was sitting on the beach out there with the Happy Hour Group, and they're talking, and he said, you know, I really had an opportunity to share, just like this blood was coming into me, to bring life to. That's how Christ's blood worked and, you know, for us and our sin. that he, he, you know, everybody of course hated what's going on, and gave him a, a great opportunity to share the gospel there. So please continue to pray for Todd. Um, the coming days will be uh, revealing and uh, bring about God's providential plan uh, for him and his wife. Um, and his wife's name is Evie. If you didn't see that in the email, if you want to pray for her, they have uh, a couple. Children, two boys, two girls, and uh, uh, the two boys are not god deniers, but they're they're floundering a little bit in their faith. Um, so if you pray that God uses this as a way to draw them uh, into faith, that would be great as well. Um, all right, having uh, said all of that, um, you know it's interesting when we consider Psalm 17 passage for today, um, what uh, uh, just a blessing God is uh, to us. And so we're going to open up with uh, a word of prayer here this morning. Uh, Let us pray. Lord Jesus, true shepherd and defender of your people, grant us wisdom, strength, and patience, wisdom to know and to walk in the way everlasting. Strength to resist all temptations of error and sin, and to boldly confess your truth before men; patience to bear the cross without murmuring, and gladly to suffer with you, that we may also rule with you. In Jesus' name, Amen. By the way, that was just the prayer associated with Psalm 17 and uh, reading the Psalms with Luther. Uh, and and it's interesting, when I read that prayer uh, in preparation for Sunday school I was, I was like wow, they're really reading a lot and this is before I got in and did my research, but they, they seem to be reading a lot into this uh, especially the, the preface part where um, they were seeing a lot of things, but then as I got in and dug in you know, the uh, the, uh, you know, we can look at the scriptures and consider that old testament god is concealed and in the new testament god is revealed same god uh, but because of sin but because of the degrees of separation there are um we we can't rightly understand the new testament without the old testament at the same time the old testament brings uh so much more clarity into uh, what's being said so if someone would uh Please read. Uh, we're gonna. I have two folks here. Somebody read Psalm 17 verses one through uh, nine. Uh, let me see. No, one through seven, and then someone read uh, verses eight through fifteen. So we'd like to do. Okay. So I'm gonna let you do one through seven, and, and James in the back, if you. Eight through fifteen. So please go ahead and read. And remember, just for to be helpful, if you let us know what translation you're reading from, make sure you speak up real loud. So, Psalm 17 is divided up into four sections, or maybe I should say we can see that there are four themes going on in Psalm 17. The first one, we see that there is a sufferer in imminent danger, and he professes his sincere conformity to God's will and invokes God's favor and protection, that's verses 1-5 through of I am going to uh, go through these four themes here and then I'll uh, want to make a point here about the first section in just a second. Uh, Then there is a petition that the psalmist writes um, that invokes God's favor because of God's former mercies. And that's uh, verses 6 and 7. And... uh, then there is a description of the wickedness of his enemies, verses 8 through 12. And finally, there is a contrast of his character and spirit versus the wicked uh, in verses 13 through 15. So, you know, we see in the very beginning there, in, in the first uh, parts of the verses, we see that it's a prayer of David, um, and and in this uh, we see that that he says, "Hear my just cause, O Yahweh; attend to my cry; give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips." And, and one of the things here. That we are reminded, okay. First of all, remember, you've got David, he's a he's uh, a man after God's own heart, the scriptures tell us, right? So, how many have ever contemplated that and have felt like you fall short of being a man after God's own heart? The uh, preacher puts both hands up, okay? Right? So, um, we kind of struggle with that a little bit. Um, in this, is a recognition, first of all, and you'll see this through the Psalms, we've kind of mentioned this before, that um, one of the things that we need to do uh, to be a person after God's own heart is to express and then live with a sincere conformity to what God's will is. You know, So often we get upset Frustrated about all kinds of things that happen, right? And a major problem is how we are seeing what God Himself is bringing to us, right? Right? If 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 uh, stuff's going on at your job, with your health, uh, you know, with someone persecuting you, these don't randomly happen challenges don't go on but God is putting them into your life yes
1: that's
0: that's an excellent point but but so for us, as we consider Psalm 17, part of what we want to recognize is, you know, we know sometimes we have a just cause, or mostly so, and we can call out to God because we know Him in a personal way, and here we have God's personal name, Yahweh, there. And He says, you know, give an ear to my to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. And, and this is not so much about a negative about deceitful lips, but rather from a positive—that is to say, with lips that are not deceitful. So, that basically, I am going to come to you, ask for deliverance, okay, and I'm going to speak confidently about how your will, your providence is going on uh, in my life, and that's hard. We're facing difficult circumstances, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it just—it just really is. Um, but you know, the, the other thing here is when you read this, who here feels confident about declaring that I'm going to say things from my own, not—not not deceitful lips? Do you feel confident about that? No, I hope not. Right, but but. As we pointed out before, as we as we say, as we go through the Psalms, sometimes we need to take these Psalms and we need to look at them and say, all right, I, I don't measure up to that, that standard of righteousness that is being required, right, in order to get God's blessing or in order to get God to intervene. But, but the reality is, Jesus does measure up to those standards, right? So his righteousness is imputed to us, it covers us, right? So we can, in fact, sing these prayers. We can sing these psalms or say these prayers. We can say it with confidence, not because of our righteousness, right? But because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which covers us. You know, this is true about both the Old and New Testament. What was what was credited Abraham unto righteousness? I'm sorry. He believed God, right? So part of what the psalmist is saying is, I believe God. I believe God forgives sins when I confess it. I believe God uh, when He brings things in my life—hardships, difficulties. Relationship challenges, right? I'm going to believe God. And it's not because I'm good, but it's because of the righteousness that God gives, does, and and is always just to do. So, uh, verse 2: Let my vindication come from your presence, let your eyes look on the things that are upright. So, When he says this, he's saying this in a very confident hope, right? And and he says, you know, it's really a focus of before God, right? So when we look at this, it says, you know, I know that vindication is going to come from your presence. The things, the challenges in my life, that's going to come from God. And it's really inside his throne room in his own presence in God's presence and really think about this when God sits on the throne it's like a tribune right? is there anything God doesn't see? anything going on in your life or my life that God doesn't see? of course not now I say that like of course not it's, oh, it's old hat stuff what's the challenge for us in believing it, right? So what so what what do we see here as part of believing it? confessing it with your mouth. So so when we are facing these challenges, we need to with confidence do what? Say God's word, confess it. Sing God's word, pray God's word. Just kind of see this this thing here like Even when we can't see it, even when it's overwhelming, the psalmist is teaching us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we are to to speak God's Word and stand firm in it. And so part of that is actually the practice of saying it. Um, How many of you guys recognize, all right, you've had small kids around you, most of you in the world? You ever had a, been around and a child has repeated the same thing over and over again until you're ready to go crazy, right? That happened. Well, part of that is remember at one time you were that kid too. You were repeating it, right? And they're repeating it and it's sort of like in the back of their head, um, but it's going over and over and over. We need to take God's word in the same way. Read it, study it. Meditate on it. Speak it. Let others speak it to us, right, in this way so that we can have confidence um, and be reminded of God's faithfulness. And, and, you know, one of the important things we have to remember here, and and this is what we we have to really stand firm on, you know, God's judgments are infallible. He's never wrong. Never wrong. So, uh, again, this is this is the, the the struggle, right? How do we how do we grasp hold of this tightly? How do we? So so let, let let me let me answer that by saying um, the things that you brought up 15 16 17 um, in my notes I, I have some connections to that later but it's but it's but but you're absolutely, you're on the right path here okay that that first of all remember that God laid out these psalms in a particular order so there is a building to them um, that is that is helpful to see as well in reference to the night there's two things here um, one is to say that um, when it's talking about particularly at the end here where it makes the uh, it, it uh, makes this that comment there let's see uh, well right well 172 is a little different in the fact that um, let's see what's that So, uh, oh, at the very end, verse 15, it says, I shall be satisfied when I awake uh, in your likeness. I'm going to start with with that one. Part of it is that some of these psalms were designed for us to read and contemplate in the evening. You know, there's some that are set more towards the morning, right, when I first get up. Others are at night, right? Think about this. If you're you're being challenged, and, and to a certain extent we all are, but if we were to take this, read this at night and we recognize what God, who God is, what he does, how he delivers us, how he is just, all of this at the very end we can go to sleep at night and actually rest because we're trusting God to vindicate us we're trusting God to to deliver us right? And so we can awake in the morning and what does it say in, in verse 15? I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness I'm trusting in you and I'm going to wait. I'm going to wake up, having slept well because I've been trusting God, not allowing. Because I don't know about you, but I've had times where I've had trouble sleeping. I was wrestling with stuff, and in large part, it's because I wasn't trusting God. I was just trying. i I've got, how, how am I going to work this out? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, and of course, there are certain things that do, uh, mean we have to take action. But pray, ask God, and then rest. And then get up, and in the morning, God is with you in his likeness. Um, In in terms of the conversation in verse 3, it says, um, you know, God visits us for an examination. This is what I have in my notes. You know, remember that God comes down and he inspects, right? We see this where he comes down and he inspects tower of Babel right and and it isn't that God was ignorant about what they were doing he was coming down to inspect bring judgment or blessing and in some cases usually his judgment brings what blessing salvation right there was at Babel there was a temporary deliverance of if, if I don't separate them right they're going to destroy themselves. They're going to come just like it was before the flood. Their evil is going to rise up so big that it's going to destroy them. And I made a promise; I wasn't going to destroy the world like that again. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a judgment, separate them by by languages, and keep keep their idolatry from growing too large. Right, and and so in one way it's a judgment; another way it's personal. Uh, he's preserving them against their own destruction. We also see this where God comes down. We talked about this last year when we were talking about um, not committing adultery, how when there are mixed things um, in the Old Testament in the law, that mixed things are considered holy. right? So we have a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, they engage in sexual activity, that's a mixing And God comes down and inspects things that are His. So He comes down in a sexual union, and He looks at it. And if it is lawful, He brings blessing. If it's unlawful, it brings a judgment. Right, and it's not always judgment right away, but you know God is always faithful to to follow through on that. So part of what's being discussed here in verse three is that God comes down at night when man is what men's thoughts are least under restraint right Um, have you ever had such a busy day that you really didn't have to think about stuff you're dealing with sometimes that's a gift but what happens at night right You're you're not active, you're not busy what's your mind do it wanders, but it wanders to what If you're if you're dealing with sin, if your sin is before you, if you have unrepentant sin, those things pop up. Those things come to mind. We're not constrained by the busyness of life, right? Searching for water, food, and shelter, or working to those ends. Right? Whether it's agriculturally speaking or not. So we, we need to understand that this, this is when our sin at night, when our thoughts are all alone, when we're stationary, this is when our sins are most easily detected. This is a, this is a good gift from God. When you stop your labors at night, and God comes down and he searches our heart, man, I sinned against so-and-so. Today. Let me confess that. Maybe jot down, repent of to them tomorrow, because they're not ready. Oh, man, I spoke harshly to my wife or child or to my boss or whatever it is, whatever sin, it's, it's a blessing here that God has come to us and inspect us um, at, at night when we're laying down. Does that sort of answer that question a little bit for verse 3? Well, I mean, I think I think part of it is recognizing if, if we were to do an evening prayer, right? Read a psalm, read the scriptures, say a prayer closing out the night, right? Um, as, as is the methodology in scripture, um, that that's part of it. I think too, um, you know, sometimes the the terrors of the night are because we recognize um, our depravity of. You have a person who's not uh, trusting in Christ for salvation um, why do you think so many people are on have been prescribed sleeping drugs today because their sins unresolved why are they on anxiety medications and I know that there can be legitimate reasons for both of those not said but I think we are way over prescribed in that that's because so many people um, are overwhelmed and have terrors and so I think God still uses that as a methodology We're just not really applying it in our daily lives. Um, One other thing in verse 3, you know, I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Uh, Basically, there is no variance to the sincerity of my profession. I'm speaking God is faithful, God is true, God is the one who's put this in my life, and I can trust him all the way through it. Right Where it says, I've purposed my mouth that I shall not transgress. He's saying, there is no wavering. It's another declaration. I am absolutely sincere and I, I in faith, am trusting and I am professing God's faithfulness and His providential hand, conforming myself to His will. Verse 4 says, Verse 4 says, concerning the works of men by the words of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. And so here we say, you know, the works of man this this Hebrew word man that you see here is really the sinful courses to which we are prone. That's the way that particular Hebrew word um, really drives to It's not just man as a whole, but rather um, you know, our sinful infirmities. And I'm just going to, I'll tell you these supporting verses to that. <coughs> But I don't think we have time this morning to really go through that. We're not gonna obviously get through all of this. We see uh, supporting this is first Samuel 249. 1 Samuel 24 9, Hosea 6 7, Job 31 32. And he is directly saying by speaking God's words, he is being kept. That is, watched. Okay? Avoiding the danger. God is keeping him from the danger. And he's doing this and he's reminding himself. You know, again, it's a a declaration before God. God, I remember you do these things. I, I, I know that you have done these things in the past. I'm reminding you, but you know what? We have to be reminded ourselves a lot. Am I right? I mean, I get caught up in stuff, you get caught up in stuff, and we don't really believe, we don't really hold on. We don't really see God's providential hand. We need to remember. This is just an interesting exercise. I thought about it as it related to this passage. Um there, there's a time in your life, if, if, if you're a first generation Christian, raise your hand. If you're a first generation Christian, you weren't raised in the church and you confess Christ later. Okay. Alright. There was a day where you understood your total depravity and God's wonderful graces. Right? And how joyful were you on that day where you experienced God's grace over your total depravity? Sorry, over the moon, right? Sure. And even if you grew up in the church. And God, there was a place where the faith went from something where it was something that I do that maybe my parents were involved in and I was part of a church, and I had a greater realization of God's mercy and justice, right? How many of you had moments like that? That was was for me, right? Here's what. We need to take more time to pause go back and remember how we felt on that day. What a wonderful, joyous day. And all the other times where we have recognized as as repetitively sinful as we are, God's grace has been immense to us. Right? It's almost like uh, some of you probably write a diary. I'm not real good at that sort of thing. My wife It's not a diary so much as she just takes notes thinking about what she's read, uh, what God's doing, and all these different things. Every once in a while, we need to, even if you haven't written it down, we need to go through our mental diary, okay, remembering all of the great things that God has done for us, starting with salvation. if, If you grew up in the church and were faithfully brought up, have you, have you given thanks and praise to God for the generations before you? What a what a you know, or and and think about this. One day you want your kids and your grandkids and your progeny out to the future to be thankful to God for how he came and intervened in your life. Took a turn. Okay? I, I part of it is I, I'm trying to emphasize this to you. We need to stop and stop fretting about everything. Pause. Say, God, you're provident. You're you're faithful. Your providential hand has brought these challenges, these adversities, these illnesses, these pressures to me. Maybe even danger. I didn't put it out this week because I wasn't sure. On the, and really, it was kind of the end of last week. I wasn't sure about the public nature of it just yet. But our pastor that we have, in the CREC in Belarus, had to flee the country last weekend. The, uh, the uh, I guess you say Belarusian, I don't know, KGB has been putting immense pressure. And it, it amplified all the way up to he and his family's lives were in imminent danger. Right. And so I, I didn't want to put it out there in case it got out. And that was going to prevent them from getting across the border. But they managed to get out. And receive asylum into one of our churches in Poland. Now, praise God. The Lord has raised up someone else in the last year or so who's come in and has stepped in as the current pastor of that congregation there, right? And we're all grateful for that. But but there are even times in the Christian faith uh, for some where that imminent life danger is upon them. We need to say, God is God is in control. Live or die. Right? Like, like Nebuchadnezzar and the three Hebrew children, right? But, but people, we, we need to really think, be grateful, rest assured. As much as God forgave you, as much as God has met all these needs in you, he is continuing that work. And we can rest in the chaos and the troubles and afflictions that are before us because it's God bringing them, and we can look to him, and God is the one who's going to bring deliverance, we can rest at night, even with all of the challenges that we have going on. I think we're going to pause there. Yes, ma'am. Sure. So, so sometimes we have difficulty. Like, we know that David was a man after God's own heart. We know that when we take stock of ourselves and we don't feel like we're a man after God's own heart, um, we need to recognize that in these prayers, when we are in Christ Jesus, it's Christ Jesus' uh, righteousness that has been, to use that religious term, imputed or covering us. We are robed in Christ's righteousness. So when the, when the scripture that you're reading seems to have this lofty ideal that this is how you're going to receive the blessing. And you kind of talked about it out of uh, it's at the end of 15 there. The, the blessing, I'll, it's in my notes, but we'll come to that again later. But the, the point is we can say these things, read these prayers, confess all of this, and know God is faithful and true. Not because of our righteousness, but we believe God, we're trusting God because of Christ's that? Okay. You mean like having you profess your sincere conformity to God's will? Is that the phrase? So it's professing, this would be our sincere conformity to God's will. And I I can't really take complete, uh, um, I think I I borrowed that phrasing out of, You know, when we get to that portion, there's a lot of interesting supporting things about that view of what that means to be the apple of God's eye. There's also a few other idioms in here that's talking about the fat, the wicked, um, that is also a Near Eastern idiom that requires some explanation. We'll be talking about those uh, next week. Yes, and Part of that is that term, apple of the eye, that's really how that idiom works is it's like saying, like, um, you know, I can love you as a sister in Christ, but I love my daughter Naomi, and a much more, you know, you're my friend, my, my, Naomi's my daughter, that's the apple of my eye. That's actually kind of the, the connotation there, that we are. Uh, The children of God, in this very close and personal way, as if I have proceeded, you know, this person has proceeded from you, and obviously your daughter proceeds from you, but, but that's how God is to us, right? So, that's right. still some of those that are among the elect and some of not. It's, it's only in God's own infallible justice. For no other reason than his kindness. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we give you praise. We thank you for this day. Lord, we ask that you please continue to strengthen us, purify us, and direct us in your paths. Lord, help us to trust in you, Lord, and to profess our prayers through word, through song, through prayer. Lord, we ask that you please prepare our hearts for worship and the renewal of your covenant promises with us. In Jesus' name, amen.